eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Welcome back, everybody, to the Winning Drive podcast. Of course, I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick and co-host of the Ravens post game at 105.7 The Fan. Now I'm Cordell Woodland, host of Shaking It Up Sports on 105.7 The Fan, as well as Ravens Beat reporter for that same station. And week one has already passed us. We talked about this after the game, Cordell, um, the guys that we really liked and the, the things that we liked on both sides of the ball. But we really didn't address things that we didn't like. And one of the things that I think that is very glaring and important for us to discuss is the run game or lack thereof. Um, this is something that I think you and I both, as, as well as other media folks and fans, um, were concerned about coming into the season, how the run game would fare uh, without J.K. Dobbins and without Gus Edwards. Because I think that Although we knew Gus wasn't going to be available for a while, we teetered on the line of J.K. Dobbins being available because he had practiced. Um, and so then he became inactive, and that allowed Ken, King and Drake uh, and Mike Davis to, to be available to run the ball. And, you know, so far we just really haven't seen any great results in the run game. And, uh, again, this is something that we were concerned about in the preseason, and then it came to a head in terms of uh, the first game on Sunday. And so I'm just curious to know your thoughts on how this, on the issues with the run game. Can this run game be repaired? Because it, as far as I'm concerned right now, I feel like Lamar Jackson is the person that is going to help this run game go. And to put it into perspective, they had 21 attempts, 63 yards. I'm not a mathematician, but it sounds like three yards a carry. 
<laughs> that sounds like I mean, you know. I'm I mean, just, that's that that is right on the dot. Three yards that's, of carry. That longest, sounds like three yards of carry. Uh, and the longest run, the longest run of the day, ended in a fumble. It was Mike Davis. <laughs> Who had, the, who had the least amount of snaps of all the backs. Yep. And he also had the longest run. But again, his was a, a terrible fumble. Thankfully, they got it back. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, this run game has looked like an issue for, I mean, even if you want to go back to last year. Yes. Uh, yes. Granted that they had a lot of backs off the street. Their running back situation wasn't ideal last year, but it's not ideal right now either. Um you it starts up front. The offensive line, I thought, struggled in both the run game and the pass game in the first half. Second half, the pass game got better, uh, but the run game, the, they got no push at all the entire day. There was nowhere to really go. There were no holes to hit. Even when the running backs did have decent runs, they had to break a tackle at the line of scrimmage to even get to where they went. I mean, after... After Mike Davis and his 10-yard carry, you've got Kenyon Drake with an eight-yard as his longest of the day. And Lamar's eight-yard uh scramble was on the third yard on the third down where he had to scramble for the first down. So his are going to be a little more off script. Um, so two, I'll get to that in a second. But as far as these the running backs, again, it starts with the O-line. Um, the O-line got zero push. If they're going to block like that it really may not matter who's back there because even once, once JK Dobbins gets back, he's not going to be able, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he will, but you know, I got to see it to believe it, to, to see him be the guy that we, that we know him to be. Um, and it's no fault of his own. It just takes time usually right. for these guys to, you know, get back into game shape, get that, get that stamina back. Uh, and the conditioning and just being able to take a hit and get back up and, and know you can do it again. So um, that being said, they don't have much in the backfield either right now. Um, even once they even when they did have a couple of running lanes, even Kenyon Drake, who got the bulk of the carries, he didn't really have the burst that I was looking for. Uh, I thought he ran a little more pity pat than I thought. He would uh, just kind of dancing around looking for um, not as not as uh, slow and and methodical as like a Le'Veon Bell used to be where he's just step, dancing behind the line waiting for the hole to open up. But King and Drake definitely was pity patting his feet a little bit, even inside the hole to the point where it's like, I'm just ready for somebody to just take off, see the hole and go. I would have liked to see more Justice Hill in that game, yeah. I thought. King and Drake had some opportunities to where it's like, okay, he got a, you know, a couple yards here, uh, got the eight yards there. Um, but I thought if it was a Justice Hill, maybe that turns into 12 yards. Maybe right. it goes to 15. You know, who knows? I, I just feel like he probably has the most burst out of all these guys. But Mike Davis, I've been telling you since preseason, since training camp, I, I, I can't, I can't, I, I, I was, I was good off this dude <laughs> from the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. He was the starter all preseason. You got nothing from the running game all preseason, not just because of him, but in general. He was a part of that. Um, and you saw now you get to week one and he's not even – he's barely out there. And when he is, he's fumbling the football. So right. this, this running game is an issue, especially when Lamar's not going to run as much 
as he usually does. We saw Sunday six six carries for 17 yards. You know, if Lamar decides that, okay, today I'm just a quarterback. You know, right. I'm just I'm just throwing the ball today. It's almost like they're not going to get anything in the running game. And yep. that that's not good. That's not good. Your quarterback should not be relied on to do everything in your offense. When Lamar, Lamar's running ability is a bonus, it shouldn't be the necessity. You know what I'm saying? And you, you, and like I said, when you saw Sunday, Lamar is comfortable sitting in the pocket. Sometimes he was in that pocket a little, you know, maybe a little too long uh, and the pressure got there, but he's in the pocket. He was reluctant to really run on yeah. Sunday. So again, it can't, it can't be to the point to where if Lamar's not running around that you're not going to have any type of running game. That's dangerous. Yes, I completely agree. I mean, <laughs> the crazy thing about this, right, is you see people like Michael Irvin go on TV and say, Lamar Jackson didn't run around as much as we were used to. Why wasn't he running around? Like, what? What are, what are we doing here, right? Do you want Lamar to throw the ball? Do you want Lamar to be a running back? Which one is it that you wanted to be? But unfortunately, Cordell, this is precedent to what we consider the run game to be. And we consider it to start and end with Lamar Jackson. And that's mm -hmm. such an unfair situation. Uh, look, I, I know that he has the ability. He had a crazy run on third and 10 on Sunday to, to get a first down. So we know that he's absolutely capable of doing it. Maybe he doesn't want to do it. Have we ever considered that part? Maybe he wants running backs to do their job. Maybe he wants quarterbacks to do his job. So it's unfair for us to keep putting this on Lamar. I don't know how this can get fixed uh, this season unless you have health at J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Also, and to be fair, uh, you know, look, for a good while, the Jets' um, defensive line played played their part in too. Yeah, and definitely. Tyler Lindenbaum struggled. You know, um, they asked him to do a lot. And, you know, he is a rookie. And then he had to play against a guy like Quentin Williams. So, yeah, the run game wasn't that great. And what defenses have done also now is they're, they're, they're stretching their defenses because they're not allowing Lamar to go outside like he used to in the past. So um, there's that. So if you got your perimeters covered, well, yeah, it's hard. And if your line isn't pushing, yeah, it's hard. And and I think that Lindenbaum will be fine. I mean, that was a huge first test yeah. uh, against a guy that is a, a, a very dominant player. And I think as the season goes on, he'll be okay. Um, but, you know, teams have gotten smarter when it comes to how they deal with the Ravens, particularly Lamar Jackson and in the run game. So what, what do you have to do as the Ravens to counter that? And honestly, I don't know if at this moment they have the personnel to do that, whether it be, you know, on the offensive line or whether it be with the guys that they have running the ball, because the top two guys that you were anticipating to do that is not available at this moment. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's the big thing. Like everybody, anytime an issue happens with this offensive line, everybody's quick to go to Greg Roman, but you can't go to Roman on this because we know that the run game, the run scheme, that's, that's his bread and butter. That's yep. what he knows. If nothing else, that's what he can do. This run game has never, the, the scheme of the run game has never been an issue. Yep. It's simply what they have on the field. That's what, that's what this boils down to. This is on the players. Uh, it's the fact that you don't have 
your usual, uh, like you said, your your usual guys in the backfield at your disposal. That's a big part of it right there. Yeah. Um, it, it also doesn't help that you don't have your all pro at left tackle out there, you know, and you've got a rookie at center who is a little undersized. Um, but in the long run, I, I do believe Tyler Linderbaum will be fine. Yeah, I, I think in the long run, he'll be OK. Again, a, a lot of these rookies struggle on Sunday for the Ravens. Um, yeah. And I think that they're all going to be good when it's all said and done. Uh, and the, mainly the three that I'm referring to in Linderbaum, likely in Hamilton. I, I expect all of them uh, to be good when they're fully developed. But, yeah, the, the run game has a lot of questions. Obviously, the, the Jets defensive line was very good. We highlighted that last week on how good this defensive front was. And this was going to be a test for this piece together offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was. And ultimately it ended up working out for them, but it doesn't mean that they are going to went, dominate every minute of the game. Um, now going forward, you got the Dolphins coming up. <clears throat> you really don't want to get into a situation, I feel like with them to where you're one dimensional and you're just throwing the ball or, your run game is non-existent. They're yes. going to have to find something to get this running game going. And again, I I think Justice Hill could kind of be the spark they need. I, I think Justice Hill getting in the game and getting more opportunities uh, to be able to carry the ball, especially in space. I, I think I think he would be able to change the dynamic a little bit for them because I think it's more of needing somebody that's just going to be able to turn that hole into a big time play and Kenyon Drake. I just don't think he could do that right now. You are on the bandwagon uh, or on the side. I don't want to say the bandwagon, the side of having justice Hill. What did he do in training camp? That makes, is it because he's been here? Cause obviously he's been here for a few years. Right. What is it about him that makes you feel like, because something about justice Hill, you know, like you said, Kenyon Drake, just getting here and probably getting a little bit more burned. I am curious as to why that is compared to a guy who's been here for a couple of years. Well, I, I think, I think on the surface level, Kenyon Drake does give you more versatility than justice Hill does. Right. Kenyon Drake has been a starter in this league. He's had a really good season at one point in this league. This is a guy that's had double digit touchdowns in a season, almost a thousand yards rushing. So he's he's capable um so i don't i'm not upset with the ravens for giving him the shot you've gotten nothing from mike davis to this point you know you give the shot to Kenyon drake um that you who you just brought in it does seem like justice hill kind of gets that james proche treatment though of just getting skipped over time and time and time again yeah yeah um and i've never really been the type to just say, okay, let's put Justice Hill in the game. I, I really just now got to the point to where I'm doing that, but it's based off of what they have. Yeah. It's based off me knowing, okay, Mike Davis gives them nothing, and Kenyon Drake can give you something, but I don't need as much of Drake as I got Sunday, if yeah. that makes sense. You know, yeah. I, I, I think you could mix Justice Hill in there a little more. I'm not upset with keeping Drake in there and passing situations if you want to, although I think Justice Hill can help you in that department as well. But I, I just felt like if the run game, I mean, you, you, you're not really getting anything spectacular. It's not going to kill you to put Justice Hill in there unless you believe he's a threat to fumble the ball. If he, right. If you don't feel like he can carry the ball, okay. 
But right. other than that, I mean, why? it's not going to hurt you to give him a shot. I agree. I, I just think that if he's a, a seasoned vet on this team at this point, which he is, give him an opportunity. Uh, or else what are we doing here? Is he just a special teams guy? Like, right. what are we doing here? Um, and this is the perfect time to give him some more burn because you are down two of your top running backs. So, yeah, I, I like Kenyon Drake as well. I know he can catch some passes out of the backfield, and that's helpful. But allow Justice Hill to be a part of this uh, of this offense because at this point you need it. You need whatever help that you can get. And uh, I think that Justice Hill can at least contribute in terms of what you need to do in the running game until you get a J.K. Dobbins and or a Gus Edwards back. Hopefully the Ravens will hear us <laughs> and, and, and finally take care of, of some business there. All right, if you guys love me and Cordell talking here on Winning Drive, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that way you can get all of the new podcasts as soon as they come up. All right, Cordell, we had two guys uh, lose to the season on week one. We lost Jawan James, left tackle, um, an Achilles situation. He re-injured his Achilles mm -hmm. that he had injured. And then we lose uh, Fuller out for the season, uh, cornerback with an ACL tear. So from an injury perspective, obviously, now the Ravens have to, you know, revamp. They have to figure out what they want to do with the offensive line uh, specifically. And then from their cornerback depth, because we obviously know the Ravens are big and having depth at cornerback, well, they're down one. And everyone can say, oh, well, well, Marcus Peters will be back and then Ronnie Stanley will be back. But the thing is, is that we do not know when they will be back. Mm -hmm. um, we can all make guesses. We can all assume. But at this point, we have no idea how that will fare. So uh, from your perspective, let's start with the left tackle position. Uh, Patrick McCarry came in and I thought they did pretty well. Um, if you're the Ravens, do you keep that line that you had on Sunday um, and keep Macari at left tackle while we wait for a Ronnie Stanley return? And do you think that that's, that's pretty much the best option that you have in winning moving forward until his return? Right now it is. I mean, you know, it keeps you from having to go out and bring in another guy right now. But the, the good thing for the Ravens, number one, is that Ronnie Stanley is on his way back. We would assume, you know, we're anticipating right now all, all signs look like Stanley is on his way back. So that's the good thing. It's not like Jawan James was their starter for the season and then they just lost him game one, which is what they went through last year with Stanley. Um, but the fact that Stanley is on his way back gives them that little bit of security that they don't have to panic here, as well as having Patrick McCarry, who is basically their Swiss Army knife, their sixth man, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, that can fill in at pretty much anywhere along the offensive line, in my mind, besides center. Uh, and he played well, I thought. I thought Patrick McCarry played pretty well. Um the, the offensive line seemed to get better in the passing game once he got out yeah. there. Uh, so I, I, I do think that it's a bonus for them to have him there. I think the plan will be to look at Mac to have Macari be that guy going forward, but you got to have somebody there to back him up. Um, so that could be where they decide to go on the outside and, and see if they could bring anybody in 
Um, they could also maybe try to look at Daniel Falele and start working him a little bit more at that left tackle spot. I don't, I don't foresee that necessarily being the case, but we've seen crazier things happen in the past. Um, but yeah, this was not a good, this is not a good situation. It's not a surprising situation. Uh, definitely don't wish this, wish this on anybody, but Juwan James has a terrible injury history and he just re-injured the same uh, Achilles that he's been dealing with. So, you know, it's again, it's not necessarily surprising, but still unfortunate and unfortunate for this team that's already trying to play plug and play at that position and you lose the, the plug guy and, and now you got to go and throw in Makari out there and it just, again, messes up the shuffle of this offensive line. But the sooner Ronnie Stanley could get back and be back to his usual self, uh, the better for the for this Ravens offense because they can't afford to go down this these next couple of games without quality left tackle play. Absolutely. And 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 I hope that they have a game plan on what to do um to help out left tackle play if somehow it struggles. I agree with you. I think that Pat McCarry played well um against the Jets. Um and so, you know, you're you're optimistic that he is able to do his job while we wait for the return of Ronnie Stanley. Um, but also if he's struggling, what are you doing to, you know, help, help your guys, uh, particularly on the outside perimeters. So um, the one thing that the Ravens obviously are really, they, they definitely key themselves on is having depth um, at the offensive line position, having depth, at the secondary position because they know that those two things are imperative um, in the national football league. And, and so luckily for them, they have a guy that is versatile that can play center that can play, you know, left tackle and, and such um, right tackle. He's played right tackle as well. So good for them. Um, and you don't feel like it's much of a loss. Uh, you know, and that is no disrespect to Juwan James by any means. I'm, I'm just saying right. that it doesn't feel like it's, leveled all the way off now yeah. that he's he's missing which is a good thing um to have that type of guy on your bench waiting you know playing waiting for the arrival of your high paid left tackle right. to right. be better who probably won't be available for another couple of weeks we would have to assume so in that regard i do think the ravens um could potentially fare well in the secondary position um, you lose Fuller to the season with an ACL. And again, I already prefaced the fact that, well, you know, technically you have Marcus Peters that hasn't um, played yet. But just like Ronnie Stanley, we don't have a time necessarily a timeline mm-hmm. for when Marcus Peters return. So how do you think the Ravens will um, overcome losing that injury? Now, I, before we before you say that, I, I want to be clear, like you and I thought that Kyle Fuller was underwhelming in training right. camp. So to me – I'm not sure how big of a loss this is in terms of like play in terms of a body. I understand it, but in terms of play, I mean, I don't feel like it's a huge loss, but Hey mate, I clearly am not a coach over there. So they may feel differently, but in the realm, how do you feel like the the Ravens overcome losing Fuller in that situation? So, you know what I'm starting to figure out and, some of the media members who have covered the team and just covered teams in the NFL longer than I have, have kind of put me on to, they put me on to this early too. They told me this during training camp. 
some people will look like complete trash right in practice and training camp and everything and they get to the games and the real games and it's a different player yeah and everybody that I talk to that covers the team has all been in agreement with us that Kyle Fuller has not looked good throughout training camp and preseason. We all are in agreement with that, but they, a lot of the the guys that were there on Sunday told me that he actually played really well. He played, which isn't unbelievable. The defense as a whole played really well. It was a good game for them. I thought for the most part. Um, And so it's just go. And then you see a guy like Isaiah likely who balls out entire training. (laughs) And then they get to the game and it's like, he forgot how to play, (laughs) you know? And, and I don't, I I expect Isaiah likely to be legit when it's all said and done, but I'm just saying it's for, it just, it goes that way sometimes, you know, for some of these guys. So, and I guess Kyle Fuller was one of those um, to where, you know, he got to the game and, and granted, you know, Kyle Fuller's could have been a little more real because he didn't play well last year. He was benched last year in Denver. So it's not out the realm to to believe that that what we saw during the training camp is who he really was. Right. Um, but this the, the injuries, unfortunate. He was playing well Sunday and just looking ahead. They've got a team coming in in Miami that you're going to need every defensive back you got really, you know, for, for these guys. Um, I do think more, I was, I was optimistic that Peters would play Sunday and he didn't. Um, but I do, I, I really, I would be surprised if Peters doesn't play in this Dolphins game. I, I would honestly be really surprised. I mean, he's jumping into the stands at MetLife pregame and running, running the, the, the steps out in the stands and stuff. I mean, he's been at practice all week. Granted, he didn't have a full participant at all during that week uh, last week. So that'll be key to see if he can not only get a full participant in practice, but stack a couple of them uh consistently back to back and and then you know I'll I'll definitely feel better but I'm definitely still optimistic that they'll I I think the plan possibly was look let's just save let's just be cautious and we think we could win this Jets game without you that's very true that's very possible I, I think it was more so like that and they look ahead and they know what's coming up and it's like let's 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 make sure you're let's just play it safe until the Dolphins game that's a very fair point. I mean, and it's crazy that that's a, I mean, I get it. It's the Jets, right? However, I really felt like the Jets had a pretty decent wide receiving core. So right. it's, it's shocking to me, but I guess they were like, look, it don't matter. We still feel like that the, we're the better team. We're, we'll, we'll come out with a win. It does yep. no matter who's playing. Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, doesn't matter, right? Yep. All right, fine. And then they lost their left tackle as well. So there, mm-hmm. there's, there's that struggle. Um, but that's a risky choice to take, but I also understand it because now you come to Miami, um, that has, you know, Jalen Waddle, they have Tyreek Hill, you know what I mean? They have a, a, a good tight end situation, um, with Kiseki. So I guess, you know, you do have to look at that and say, I'd much rather hold him down, uh, hold him back for, this game because I feel like this is a game we're going to win no matter what as opposed to and I'm not saying that they don't think that way about Miami I just think that Miami has it's a different feel right yes they have a rookie coach they're going in with a rookie coach but 
Uh, you know, Tua is their starter. We know that. We all know what Tyreek Hill can do. Whether right. Tua is going to get the ball to him or not doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but you don't want Tyreek Hill blowing past your secondary. And, and I, I just feel like even with that, Tyreek Hill and these boys, they, I mean, the game Sunday, they, they was making plays. Tyreek Hill, right. I, I keep telling, I've been yep. telling people because everybody's got to, everybody feels a certain way about Tua. I like Tua personally. I've always liked Tua ever since college. He just, he can hit the open man. That's one thing about him. He may not have a, a cannon for an arm. But if there's a receiver that's open, Tua can most likely hit him. He yeah. did that in college, being one of the more accurate quarterbacks at the time. Last year, it, statistically, he was one of the more accurate quarterbacks. Now, granted, it was a lot of dink and dunk last year. But watching the game this past Sunday and their win over the Patriots, uh, Tyreek Hill had a play. I mean, he's taking the ball one-handed from the corner. The Jalen Waddle touchdown was really waddle just splitting two guys and just going the next 30 yards by himself i mean they've got guys that can make (laughs) plays outside at the receiver position and the ravens are going to need all hands on deck i thought brandon stevens played really well in the jets game they're going to need him to really be on point in this dolphins game because assuming peters isn't on the field Brandon Stevens is going to be the next man up. He he's going to be the 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 main guy on the outside, on the other side. Uh, and then you'll have to rely on Pepe Williams a lot. You'll have to rely on Jalen Armour Davis a lot. Uh, Kyle yeah. Fuller, I mean not Kyle Fuller, uh, Kyle Hamilton, who's who played a lot this past Sunday. He's not just going to be able to be an innocent bystander this Sunday. He's going yeah. to have to step up. Everybody's going to have to step up. Uh, in this game coming up, especially if you're going to be short on corners. Now, they've got a couple of corners on the practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised to see them call up Kavon Seymour if they choose to. Um, But I I think Peters will be good to go on Sunday. I think that was kind of their thinking going into the Jets game. And I think losing Kyle Fuller will, if not expedite this situation with Peters, to even if they weren't thinking about bringing him back, this Sunday, maybe they give it a little more thought now with Kyle Fuller not being there. Yeah, and that's valid. Uh, and, and you know, I don't dislike Tua at all. Um, I think that Tua is a guy that, yeah, the deep ball might not be his best, his best consistent um, play. Um, but I think, like you said, I think he does get the ball to his guys and, and shorten intermediate passes. I think he does it just fine. I'm just not interested in seeing the possibility of Waddle and Hill blowing past uh, defenders. So uh, I really hope that Marcus Peters is available for this game because, like you said, you lose one guy in Kyle Fuller. And then you have to start depending on guys that lack experience, like Mm -hmm. Armour Davis or, 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 you know, whatever. We love Pepe Williams. You know, we love the potential of Pepe Williams. However, we still have to be um, realistic about – Pepe Williams, he's going to have some struggles because he's a young player. You know what I'm saying? And you you don't want to put him in a position of failure against guys in that, you know, in that in that area, in Tyreek Hill and uh Jalen Waddle. So I I think you're right. I hope you're right that yeah. uh the arrival of Marcus Peters is at home, MT Bank Stadium, week two against the Miami Dolphins, because they need him. More oh, now yeah. than ever. <laughs> they definitely. This is this is where the Ravens need that you know that uh that that situation where really 
Ravens are one of the few teams in the league that have two potential shutdown corners. And these are the type of games you need both of those guys. Yep. Uh, Marcus Williams being on the back end definitely helps. Hopefully it means that these receivers won't be able to really get take the top off this defense. Um, but if Marcus Williams plays the way he did Sunday behind Peters and Marlon Humphrey and the rest of those guys, and that defensive line, obviously, if they're because this this Dolphins O line, we could talk about this maybe on a Thursday episode, looking at you know when we really go into a more in depth breakdown uh, on a Friday episode. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, of this Dolphins offensive line, that it's it's not pretty over there either. It's it's a little better than the Jets, but it's a, it's an O line that I think that this defensive line can win against if they play the way they did Sunday. Right. I agree. So hopefully um, I'm crossing my fingers that there is a Marcus Peters sighting on the field uh, at one o'clock on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. All right, guys, uh, before we go to our last segment, just make sure that you have subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so you can hear myself and Cordell give you the latest updates on everything Ravens. All right, so let's do some overreactions. This is my favorite part. I love when you go on Twitter and um, or social media in general, whether it's Facebook and you're in the Ravens Nation page or it's Twitter and you see mm-hmm. people talking about the game and everybody wants this person fired. Everybody wants this. The Ravens are terrible. This offense stinks. What's going on here? So I want to do the same thing. I want to overreact to Cordell. Since everybody else can overreact, let's do it ourselves. What overreactions do you have for week one against the New York Jets? I'm going to say that this Ravens defense will finish as a top three ranked Top three, not top ten, not top five, not top seven, but top I can't say the first place. Yeah, I can't say the first just yet. Okay. I'll, I'll save that overreaction, but I do believe I, I'll say that this team could be a top three defense. I mean, you look at the secondary, they've got they've got the guys to be able to be the best secondary in the league. You look at this defensive front, I don't think Sunday was a fluke. I really don't believe Sunday was a fluke. I, I'm not saying that I believe that Matt Abike is going to turn into the new Aaron Donald, but I don't think that what we saw Sunday is out the round to see it. I don't think it's out the round to see it again. Um, I, you know I've been what the, saying, I, I'm, this is an overreaction, but you know what I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, I feel like there's so many good parts about this defense that mm. we still haven't seen yet. Travis Jones right. has yet to, to make right. an appearance. Um, and I think that he could be a good dominant player. Again, we talked about Marcus Peters. He has yet to make an appearance. Um, and we know that he's one of the pulses of that secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, we still, you know, hey, man, Chuck Clark, he wants y'all to know don't, he don't care about who got drafted. Kyle right. who? He's going to be out there making plays, man, because he wants y'all to know that um, y'all made a mistake in trying to draft somebody that's going to replace me. I'm going to be hard to replace, and I love that about him. Oh, yeah. I was happy with Chuck not giving his spot away uh, a while back. I was was glad he showed up, but you're right. It's it's a lot of people on the way back. Uh, Tyus Bowser on the way back as well that's going to help this defense. Kyle Hamilton hasn't even really, you know, impacted – this defense fully yet. I, you know, I think once he gets in a rhythm and he really starts tapping into his potential, 
I think he's going to be another reason why this defense is going to be legit this year. So, yeah, I'm I'm saying that the Ravens defense is going to finish top three. Um, and definitely that's with room for them to finish in the first, you know, as the uh, the highest ranked defense in the league. It would not surprise me. This defense looks like they're going to be one that gets after it. Uh, Mike McDonald just looks in control out there. He he has a lot of his disposal, a lot of weapons, and a lot of chess pieces that he can use in a multitude of different ways yeah. that I think is going to be tough on offensive coordinators to kind of pick up on what exactly the Ravens are, do are doing because nobody is going to have, I think, just one designated role. Everybody can do a ton of different things. Yeah, and then also, like you mentioned, Tyus, um, Naka, look, I am not a big um, proponent of having David Ajabo come back, but if he somehow does make the field this year, whether it be late in the season, whether it be, you know, if they're making a playoff run, they make the playoffs and he has a playoff appearance. That's another piece to this mm -hmm. puzzle that can add to what you're saying in terms of being a top defense. I, I, I love the potential um, for this team. I think that we have to acknowledge the fact that Queen looks focused, that he looks like he's on an ascension of sorts to, to be a, a different player, to be the first round draft pick that we expected him to be. And sometimes it's slow. Sometimes players are a, a little slow getting there, right? Um, you know, everybody doesn't come off right away, you know, off to the races when they when they make it to the league. It's a, it's a transition. And then we remember last year that um, Patrick Queen got moved to a different position, which he actually played well better when he was moved to that position. So that's helpful mm -hmm. um, as well. But, yeah, I, I, you know, that is an overreaction. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it, what's crazy is it's not like – It's realistic. It's a realistic overreaction. Like, yeah. I can see at the very least, right, if this team can stay healthy, for, especially from a defensive standpoint, they can absolutely be, uh, absolutely be in the top 10 conversation. Where mm -hmm. they are in the top 10 is up to them for this to decide. But I definitely think that that is uh, what it's, it's going to be. So there's that. I, I'm going to overreact here, and I'm going to say – um, that Devin Duvernay will somehow uh, lead this team in touchdowns. I mean, he's Ooh. already started. Yeah, he's already started. Right, two to one yeah. <laughs> between him and Rashawn Bateman. Right, Duvernay is a dude that I felt like um, we really kind of put him in. We knew that he could be a, a contributor on offense, but we put him in the special teams category because he's an All Pro in special mm -hmm. teams, and I think that's a fair assessment, right? But what if he comes in in red zone opportunities and red zone, like, or, or in, anything inside the 30? He's a I beast. Mean, I mean, he got a red zone. Was I, I think that that might've been in the red zone. His second touchdown. The yeah, I feel like, the end zone. very close. If yeah, not, it was very close. Definitely close. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he's a guy, he's a guy that can definitely get open. Uh, he's got the speed. Yeah, that was that was a 17 yard touchdown. Yeah, so see, def definitely was in the red zone. He's got the speed to do it. And I'll admit, I thought Demarcus Robinson was going to eat into Devin Duvernay's uh snaps and take take some of his reps. I should have known because the Ravens are creatures of habit. 
the Ravens do a lot of the same things over and over again. And yes. let you know, it, all you got to do is look back in the history and you'll know exactly what their next move is going to be with some of these guys. And I should have known they were going to find a, yet another way to keep James Prochet off the field. As of good course. as he looks throughout training camp, it doesn't matter. He just he just can't get on the field when the games count. And yep. he had the lowest snap count of any of the receivers uh, for the Ravens this past week. And you had Devin DuVernay and Demarcus Robinson being your, your two and three guys uh, on the field as far as receivers. So, yeah, DuVernay definitely he, – he's got great ball skills. You know, yes. he can definitely go get it. He may not be wide open. That's my main issue is I, I want to see him become a better route runner. I think he's got enough speed and quickness to run away from defenders, but it's just about being able to get that type of separation through your route running. That's Absolutely. what I think he needs to – if he had James Prochet's route running ability, oh, DuVernay would be a beast. He'd be a beast because he could catch the ball. He's got great hands. He's got great concentration to be able to go make some tough catches. Uh, it's just a matter of him being able to make it a little easier on himself, I think. But, yeah, I, I actually like that one. That's 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 not a bad one at all because, obviously, I, you, you know, you don't expect Mark Andrews to necessarily only have five catches for, what, 54 yards or whatever, 57 yards or whatever he had uh as often throughout the year so right. eventually andrews is going to pick up um even bateman i mean he had the one touchdown but bateman only had two catches in the game right you know? and, so, and we know that they tried they tried the same the, the, the touchdown that he did have they tried the same play earlier right. and he was right. unable to get to the ball i mean so mm-hmm. look he was possibly there um but yeah i i, I just think that it's a perfect setup right like Look, I know we love Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is a beast, obviously. It, it, but but everybody's going to be on Mark Andrews. Everybody's going right. to, to to try to double Mark Andrews and make it and, and probably give everybody one on one. Duvernay is a guy that you know. Look, people are going to be checking for Bateman. They're going to be checking probably for Demarcus Robinson. And Duvernay is just going to be a guy that's going to be out there available. And and I think that if that's the case, you got to give it to the guy that's available. And I just think in more cases than not, that's going to be him, number 13. So my overreaction is definitely going to be him getting more touchdowns than Mark Andrews, him getting more touchdowns than Rashad Bateman, uh, you know, and and that's going to be. I'll also give you another overreaction. I still think that this team ends up top five offense. Mm. I do. And, you know, in the past, in the past, they had, listen, I think they ended sixth last year yeah. in total uh, yards possibly uh and mind you this is a whole you know they missed games without lamar jackson and there was a time where they had you know nine quarters without an offensive touchdown yet they still ended the season top 10 uh in total yards so with the healthy lamar even though we complain about this wide receiving group in terms of um, there's not enough of them in terms of impact players and such, I'm going to still predict that they in top five, because at the end of the day, they still have number eight behind center. And that's the most important thing with, with these guys that we don't really know. Well, you and I know, and Ravens know, but outside of Baltimore city, many people don't know. I'm a roll with that. 
Okay. I, I'm 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 not a that's not a bad one. I'll actually kind of my my next overreaction will kind of be a little bit of a contradiction to that. Uh, because I think I, I'll say my overreaction is Lamar. And so and this is and maybe I don't know if this will be a crazy overreaction to you, but Lamar, so many plays the whole season, will finish with under a thousand yards rushing. And mm-hmm. you would normally you would expect Lamar to to get that to get that thousand yards if he's going to play uh, the full year. But I don't know if Lamar is going to be the big time runner that we, I think he'll have his games that he goes out there and, you know, has to do a little more running than not. But I wouldn't be surprised if what we saw Sunday is kind of Lamar's approach going into this year is wanting to, at least minimize the hits to a degree. It may be certain types of quarterbacks that he may decide to, that, you know, I know he talks about how he just, he's his own person, but you got to learn from somebody, you know, and, and I think he's going to look at some of the quarterbacks, some of the other mobile quarterbacks, maybe in the past that got to the point to where, okay, I can run really whenever I want to, but I got to beat these guys from from with my arm let me let me let me do that and really it it helps me because it takes away some of the punishment I'm taking right now especially in his contract year right Mm -hmm. now you know his contract situation he he may be like look I'm not about to be this Superman Lamar that I've been in the past where I'm risking it all on every play I'm gonna be a little more decisive when I decide to do that and I had a caller on my show call in and say something similar to that the other day. And I kind of dismissed it. Like, and I don't think he's on the field, like making business decisions in the middle of a play. I don't think it's like he sees a crease and he's like, ah, no, nah, I'm not going to take that one because, you know, they got me on discount right now. You don't get that version of Lamar. Like, I don't think that's what he's out there doing on the fly. But I do think it's maybe changing. It's affecting his approach so right. to speak, and how he goes about each game and whether he wants to do – now, come playoff time or come when they really need the games or they really need this first down or this touchdown, yeah, he'll pull it out his bag, you know, but if we're talking about, you know, first quarter, second and six, am I going to just try to take it and go like I normally would? Nope. Nah, I'm going to try to make it work. I wanted to – you know, you know, and I noticed this in the Jets game as well. Um, he's, he chucked down. He was checking mm-hmm. down. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the past, that is something Lamar would have tr- probably tried to do himself, which is run, you know, get the first down yards himself. Um, but he did check down to the running back, which is something that I was very critical of for him in the past. Yeah. Um, but I think that this year he is not trying to force it mm-hmm. and just look, take what's available. And sometimes what's available is the running back in the flat. And he at least has been doing that. And so I agree. I, I I think that he might not get a thousand yards because I, I think Lamar wants to evolve his quarterback game. And that means, you know, more staying in the pocket, less running, running when you have to, like absolutely right. have to, like we saw him run uh, for that first down in the Jets right. game, but not right. running like, you know, because or whatever. Even on the read options, he it's not like he was keeping a lot of Lamar. Usually, I mean, last year, Lamar was keeping that thing pretty much every time. Yep. <laughs> he was not handing it off. Yep. And it, it just seemed like Sunday he was just like, here you go. 
Here, yep. here you go, pretty much every time. So uh, I think he was more probably going to try to keep it on that fourth down that Harbs called timeout on. But other than that, I, I don't I don't really recall him keeping it too many times on the read option. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think that that's just kind of where it goes. And I, I'm excited to see him, you know, continue to grow as a quarterback. I know that, you know, this is year five for him. It doesn't mean that he is incapable of, of evolving. I think that he absolutely continues to work on his craft mm-hmm. and be better. And so I would not be surprised if your overreaction is actually true and that somehow he finds a way to um, be – more of a prolific passer and less right. of a prolific runner. That would be- I wouldn't be surprised though if he does go has a nice running day against the uh the Dolphins because they've got okay. a little they got a little more to work with. Um they they blitz we remember how much they blitzed them last time so it could be a lot of getting the ball out of his hands quick but it could also be him just borderline running for his life <laughs> out there right. uh, at times. So I, I think he, the, the the carries will go up this week out of necessity, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if what we saw in the Jets game is kind of more of the usual this year. Yes, I, I completely agree. All right. That makes enough for today's episode of Winning Drive. We will be yeah. back on Friday with more content to give you uh and we'll be talking about the miami dolphins a little bit more mm-hmm. game planning from an offensive perspective and defense as well and what to look forward to maybe we'll have Thank some you. more clarity on some of these these injury statuses too uh by the time we get to friday you yes. know we've been a couple practices under our belt we'll see we'll see who's trending in the right direction and who's not absolutely thank you so much everyone for listening this is winning drive